0: So we have two scripture passages that are uh, uh, part of the uh, sermon, and the first one we'll read is Psalm 72, and the second one is based on Philippians, uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and we'll be reading that uh, during the sermon. Uh, Philippians is a book that we've been uh, studying uh, as a church for the last number of weeks, and one of the favorite parts of that book, for me, is Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11. And uh, so, yeah, the sermon that, uh, that we hear today was originally written in October of 2017, uh, shortly after uh, I returned from the sea-to-sea bike trip. And uh, shortly before we had uh, municipal elections. But we're in a similar time. Uh, So hopefully it will still fit today. And we begin with reading Psalm 72. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations, May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On the the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. So this past Friday, it was Canada Day, the 155th anniversary of Confederation when the first four provinces became known as the Dominion of Canada, soon to stretch from sea to sea to sea five years ago, I participated in a cycling tour called Sea to Sea, partially to celebrate what was then Canada's 150th anniversary. And it just so happens that both our Sea to Sea cycling tour and the Dominion of Canada are both linked in the psalm that we just read. In the old King James Version... Basically, the English Bible of the 1860s, verse 8 of Psalm 72 reads as follows. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. You know, as the fathers of confederation, the founders of our country were negotiating the name of the new entity, Leonard Tilley, then Premier of New Brunswick, suggested that the name be Dominion of Canada because of this psalm. And when Canada's first Prime Minister, John A. MacDonald, wrote to Queen Victoria about Confederation, he said that the name was a tribute to the principle, the earnestly desired to uphold. And you may wonder, well, what principles was John A. Macdonald talking about? And I would suggest they are the principles that are found in this entire psalm. In other words, it was the wish of the fathers of confederation that Canada's queen, Canada's government, would rule like the king of Psalm 72, and that based on such a rule, Canada and Canada's queen would prosper, as the psalm implies. And as we look at our psalm, we see some of the things that are required of a king or ruler of the dominion. This ruler would be endowed with righteousness, with justice. This ruler would judge its people in righteousness and with justice. The ruler would defend the afflicted among the people and crush the oppressor. And I think that those are principles of government that are so easily forgotten in today's so-so partisan world. Today, nearly everything that a politician says are weighed on the basis of being left-wing or right-wing. And in practice, too many politicians put themselves on such a political scale from left to right rather than use a scale that is set by our psalm. So often we have people saying, you're either with me and you're good or you're against me and you're bad. And I wonder if it wouldn't be neat if today's political leader espoused the principles of Psalm 72. And according to the psalm such a king or ruler would endure as long as the sun and the moon. Such a ruler's reign would be one where rain would continue to fall like showers on a thirsty land. And such a ruler's dominion would allow the righteous to flourish, would allow prosperity to abound until the very end of time, or until the sun and moon are no more, and everyone would bring tribute to this ruler from far ends of the world. Unlike today, where so many rulers bring tribute to themselves. The needy, the afflicted, would be rescued by such a ruler. The ruler would have pity on the weak on the needy, and and rescue them from violence of oppression. And, And like couriers at the English court, they, the needy, would shout, long live the king, long live the queen. And all nations would be blessed through this just king, our queen. And I suspect that the founders of confederation had this in mind through Queen Victoria, through the British empire, of which Canada would be a shining crown jewel. Of course, such a king, such a queen, doesn't exist, does it? No human king or queen could last until the end of times, no matter how long Queen Victoria's reign may have lasted, or even no matter how long Queen Elizabeth's reign may last. No human prince lives that long. So what could the psalm possibly mean? Well, at first glance, we could think or assume that the psalm is speaking of a human dynasty. David and his sons, David and his descendants who will reign on the throne of Israel until the end of time, as long as he and his descendants remain faithful to the principles of godly reign. As long as David, his descendants, remember that they are to rule justly, they are stewards of God's kingdom, that they would reign, rule with righteousness, that they would remain on the throne, and that the prosperity of God's people would be assured. David and his descendants would do well to remember the words of Deuteronomy 17, which reminds them to rule according to God's law and to be humble and not consider themselves better than their brothers and sisters, their fellow people of the Lord. Then Deuteronomy 17 says, then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. And I think, indeed, the psalm had this in mind. I I, I suspect that the psalm was sung at the coronation of King Solomon, at the coronation of numerous other Davidic kings of Israel and of Judah. And I suspect that MacDonald and Tilly and the other founders of Canada's Confederation had these in mind, had this in mind even if they themselves were unable to fully live up to these ideals. But perhaps there is a deeper meaning to the psalm, in that it points to the future king of kings, whose reign will have no end. Perhaps the psalm looks forward to the true descendant of David, who fulfills this psalm completely, Perhaps the psalm looks forward to the Messiah who not only humbles himself completely but serves selflessly for the sake of his people and to the glory of his Father and to the glory of our Father in heaven. And when we read this psalm not only in the context of Deuteronomy 17 and the rest of the Old Testament, but read it also in the context of Philippians 2 and the New Testament, then the psalm fits perfectly with the Christ, with Jesus, with our Lord and our king. Our New Testament text begins us, begins by encouraging us to be like Jesus. your attitude, or in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth. And every tongue confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you imagine such a king? Just think about it for a moment. Here you have someone who is on top of the world like no one ever was before him. He is God, he is King of kings. There is no one who can compare with him. And the world is full of people who would stop right there. They're the greatest. Let everyone serve them, let everyone kneel down to this great king. You may remember the example of Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of kings. He was the greatest king of the world in his time. And to him, he was the greatest king of all times. And there would never be a greater king. So he built himself a, a giant sculpt- sculpture... Of himself, of course, and he ordered that everyone, everyone, worship at this image, the sculpture of that great king. And he even had a punishment for those who didn't want to worship, all those who didn't want to bow down to the sculpture to the image would be thrown into a fiery furnace. And you may remember how that worked out. There were three faithful servants of God who refused to bow down and, 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 and were thrown into that fiery furnace that was so hot that had killed the soldiers that threw these men into the furnace. And yet, by God's will, the three survived. And Nebuchadnezzar, that great king, that greatest king of all time, according to him, had to finally say that there is a God who is greater than him and that even he had to serve God. But you know, Jesus is nothing like Nebuchadnezzar. Nothing like all of our other earthly rulers. No. Jesus didn't consider that that, that just because he was God, he would be the greatest. He didn't consider that something to be draft to hold on to he turned himself to nothing he became a human baby a servant a slave he came to the earth to stand up for the defenseless the needy the afflicted among the people he took pity on the weak the needy, and saved the needy from death. He came to rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. And How did he do this? He who was God of gods, he who was king of kings, humbled himself. And willingly was led to be crucified on a cross. Yeah, And I know we've heard all that before. Jesus died for us. It's, it's in all the creeds. But do you realize what splendor he came from to do this? Do you know how excruciating his death was, and he did that for me, he did this for you. You remember the words of Deuteronomy 17. And did not consider himself better than his brothers and sisters, his fellow human beings. But he humbled himself to be a servant to his people. And Paul says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You know, if Jesus had never humbled himself, I I think we might still be worshipping his name. After all, Jesus is God. But now that he humbled himself, there's something different, isn't there? Because we know that he cared for us, that he was willing to be one of us, and willing to be the least of us in order to take away our sin. And so our worship can be real. Our worship can be to a God who loves us more than we love ourselves. And then Paul tells us to take on the same attitude. If our Lord of lords, our God of gods, if the King of kings could serve the unlikable people like ourselves, then how can we not do the same thing? If Jesus could serve even to the point of death by crucifixion for my sake, then how can I not serve the people he places in my path? If Jesus served and died for you, then how can you not serve the people that God has placed in your path? Today, our province's ruling party is in a leadership race to decide on the person who will be our next premier. And some of us have an opportunity to participate in that decision. And I wonder, do we choose this leader on the basis of what they will do for us? Or do we choose a leader who will seek justice? righteousness? Do we choose a leader who will look out for the afflicted, for the needy, the children of the needy? Do we choose a leader who seeks to serve well, or do we seek a leader who will be good for our pocketbooks? Well, it's not just in politics that we can emulate our Lord Jesus. We can emulate our Lord Jesus also by serving well in the church. We can emulate Jesus by serving well in our schools, in our communities, in our work. For instance, if you're a Sunday school teacher, how do you think of the children? At your teaching? When you're serving coffee after church, how do you think of the people that you're serving coffee to? When we see someone else in our community, how do we see this person? Do we see them as... someone who's not as good as us? Or do we see them as someone who's been loved by Jesus just as much as we have been loved by him? Do we see this person, these people, as someone for whom Jesus Christ willingly left the splendor and the throne of God. When I was cycling sea to sea, I gained an appreciation for the beauty of our land and its people. And I enjoyed especially being away from the 24-hour news channels. I don't know if you noticed, but every time you turn on one of those news channels, there's another story of something bad that has happened, either here in Canada or somewhere else in the world. When I was cycling, the number one topic on the news was Trump, and I dare say that he still ranks very highly on the news today. And yet, there are many other topics that are talked about on the news. Last year, we heard about all the flooding and the landslides that happened in British Columbia. And I suspect that there's still real hurt for some of the people affected by that. This spring, once more, flooding was a regular thing in the Canadian news, as if everywhere somebody was being flooded. Probably the biggest story of the year, this year, is the war in Ukraine. And and, and perhaps we learn about all these places so that we too can serve our brothers and sisters there. Do we have a role in ministering to the Ukrainian people? Do we have a role in ministering to the Russian people? I mentioned earlier that C2C and the Dominion of Canada were both linked in the Psalms. We have already heard that the founders of our countries looked at the principles of this Psalms as principles by which they hoped our country could thrive. And Sea to Sea also got its name from this psalm. And its hope was that through, through the cycling tour, the reign of Jesus Christ might be evident from sea to sea. And I'm not sure if that goal was fulfilled. But perhaps it was for some of the participants Today, I wonder, I wonder, do we realize how much God loved his people? That his own son was willing to leave the splendor of God's throne, to come in the mess, into the mess that we people have made. That he was willing to be a servant and to serve even to death for our sakes. May his reign, may his name endure forever. And may his reign be evident in each one of us. Amen. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we want to honor Christ Jesus, who being God was willing to make himself nothing, was willing to take on the very nature of a servant, of a human being. He was willing to humble himself and obey even to the extent of death, death even on the cross. And for this humility and obedience, you exalted him to the highest place. May each of us Bow our knees at the name of Jesus. May each of us confess him as Lord to your glory. And may we see your people in the same light as Christ has seen us. In his name we pray. Amen.